Have you ever wondered how to make your school or your classroom more creative or innovative? This week's guest, Carl Hooker, shares how to tackle the challenge of creating innovation in the classroom, and he provides ideas for both teachers and leaders with new ways to motivate learners of all ages and open up their creative pathways. In this episode, we're also going to discuss how to enhance skills beyond technology, the future of education and online learning, and his book, Ready, Set, Fail. Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Aspire listeners, I have the great pleasure of having someone I got a chance to meet in Hot Springs, Arkansas at HSTI conference, and he was the keynote speaker. And I'm going to tell you right now, the whole crowd was laughing, practically in tears, and it was such an impactful session that I had to have Carl Hooker on the Aspire to Lead podcast. Carl, thank you so much for being on the program. Thank you for having me, man. I'm excited to be here. And it was great to run into you at, at HISTI or HSTI. I'm not quite sure the name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but a beautiful little spot there in Hot Springs. It was. I, I have never been there before. And uh, we got to kind of go around and, and check out the city. And man, it was quite beautiful. Right. And everyone's like, Arkansas. I'm like, no, you have to go. Trust me. It's not what you think. Arkansas yeah. is pretty. It yeah, is. Parts of it. Parts yeah. of it, for sure. And Hot Springs was one of those awesome destinations for us. And um, that was a really fun conference. And just talking with you, it sounded like you have your hands in so many different areas in education, and I'm so excited to learn a little bit about your journey. So if you wouldn't mind sharing about your educational and leadership background. Sure. I started out as a teacher here in Austin, Texas. That's where I'm still located uh, back in 1998. So pre, this is a last century, last millennia. Uh, <laughs> I was, that's how long I've been teaching. Eventually moved around to different jobs, worked my way up. I was an ed tech coach, uh, became a director of innovation and digital learning for a district here in Austin, Eanes, Westlake, and then retired, uh, I say air quotes, retired in 2019, the age of 44, because I was kind of, I was doing a lot of the consulting and speaking and side work. And and I was having a lot of fun with that. And and I found that at one point, keeping both roles was not going to be attainable and not sustainable either with my own family, my own little kids, and then my father who have health issues that I need to take care of every now and then. So I was like, I had to make a decision. And so I took the leap and just and left without really a plan. And that's it. That, I mean, we, we went, were off and rolling. And then the pandemic came. Yep. <laughs> so uh, and and it's like everybody, we had to change. And, and I'm not going to say the word that I quit saying a few years ago. It starts with a P and ends with a T. And it has to do with changing quickly. But I've <laughs> taken that word out of my vernacular. So so now I'm consulting full time doing um I get a lot of speaking stuff has picked back up since the pandemic and and then lots of other ventures that we can get into here yeah. in a little bit as well. First off, I want to touch on something that came out not too long ago, which is your book, Ready, Set, Fail. And I I love this topic because really the book is about unlocking creativity and innovation. And, you know, that was one of the things that you spoke on in Arkansas was this whole concept of some of the older technology and how education is moving at such a slow pace and kind of where we need to end up. So if you wouldn't mind just touching on that topic and your book, I would love for our listeners to just kind of hear about, you know, what that resource is all about. Yeah, for me, the the inspiration for the book, and I've written six other books through ISTE, their mobile learning mindset, which is really more focused on the technology and the use of the technology in the classroom, which I think is still extremely important. Yeah. But for me, the the impetus for write this book was that looking at my own kids and their own educational journeys, schools are really designed for 
compliance and conformity. Mm -hmm. And that means that kids are always looking over their shoulder to see like, am I doing this right? Am I doing it wrong? Versus them actually thinking of their own unique ways of solving problems. And so this book really came about because I was really frustrated with that part of the process when it comes to how we teach kids. And so did a lot of research. I've spent decades really researching this before the book ever came out. And how do we put this into practice in a way that's not a super heavy lift? Because I think I know with teachers, we're at capacity. If you give us one more initiative, that's just it, you know, and curriculum is hard to change. Grading is hard to change. I'm not going to go into that. However, you can change how you ask questions in your classroom fairly easily. And, And how do you let kids take the time to respond in their own ways? How do you create an environment and a culture in your classroom that lets kids create and answer with unique answers and don't actually dismiss those and say, oh, that's silly. That's nothing. That'll never happen. Instead, encourage them to answer in in weird and silly ways. And you never know what might come out of that. So encouraging that risk taking. And then when they do fail, which they will, Mm -hmm. uh, then talk about what, how did we fail? Why did we fail? How do we recover from that failure? So the book is based on a lot of my own personal risks and failures, which I take on a daily basis. I ask audiences all the time, how many of you have ever failed? Everybody raises their hand. I ask them how many of you are failures? Usually nobody raises their hand. I was like, right, because you've learned from it and you continue to grow from it. So that's kind of the impetus behind the book. And it's meant for teachers primarily, but also I would say educational leaders that are just looking to really have that growth mindset in their schools and in their districts. And and lately, a couple even outside of education industries have looked at it because they're they're wanting to have that same mindset in their companies, which yeah. is kind of cool. That's awesome. So I want to talk about when you were a director of innovation and you know what were some of the things that you had to get past or maybe there were some hurdles in regards to that mindset or the you know trying to shift the growth mindset of, hey, this is not a situation or environment where we're just looking for kids to be compliant. Yeah, I, I'll start with the, the idea and the, that you have to model this too. So um, I was always modeling the risk taking in my own. For example, my title was Director of Instructional Technology, which I absolutely hated. <laughs> so I changed my email si- signature and my uh, <laughs> business card without any permission. Uh, and sometimes you ask for forgiveness, not permission. And I went about three months before my superintendent discovered it. And she was like, wait a minute, this takes board action to change. I was like, oh, I didn't know. I just, it was already changed. Sorry, (laughs) sorry. You know, but the idea was like, I wanted the word innovation in my title because I wanted us to really put our money where our mouth is because we call ourselves an innovative district, but I wasn't seeing it. Kids were college and career ready, uh, very well. They weren't necessarily college and life successful, which I think is the next step of that journey. And why aren't they? It's because we were preparing them for the academics. We were preparing them to be compliant with the academics, how to race to get the A, but we weren't teaching them how to actually, when something falls or when they fall for that first time, when they leave their home at the age of 18, how do they get up and recover from that? And so again, building in those formats, I personally did it at that district through professional learning. I was like, I have access to all the teachers. So what are better place to start? So I would work with them on it. And then eventually it would grow to the people that really made the difference, which were the principals. And they were the ones that would have to enact that change. If they really wanted to see risk taking, one of our principals said, yeah, Carl, I love this idea. Here's what I'm going to do. Every teacher had to actually put in place in their summative, they had to say, like, here's one thing that I'm going to try differently this year. Um, Maybe it's a lesson they've done forever, but they want to up the game a little bit with technology or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they had to reflect on it, what they did right, what they did wrong, how they would do it better in the future. And she would have them blog it, or if they didn't want to put it out there for the world to see, they could do like a Google Doc or something. And then that was it. That was the one thing. But that one little thing made such a difference because every teacher in that campus knew I have to try something different this year. And I have to document it so I could tell the principal at the end of the year, what did I do Mm -hmm. and how I learned from it. So she said that was met with some, you know, trepidation and it wasn't always tech based, although that's the easiest one to kind of add. There's some tech tools at it. Project based was huge. They tried it at that campus too. And 
if it messed up admittedly the first like three or four times it just crashed and burned uh, but she stuck with it and i think if you have that leader that's willing to do it um you can kind of achieve anything but mm-hmm. she also have to, you also have to walk the walk and i think that's a big part of it well yeah and if the teachers know it's not a gotcha moment and that you're literally there to help them grow in their their techniques then you know then you're going to get some buy-in with that um, when it's not just someone over their shoulder right so as far as you know some of the other pieces that she talked about kids needing to drive their own learning what were some things or some tactics that you know you like to share for teachers to do in the classroom yeah a big one i'll give you a quick example i've done i'm working with a couple of districts right now in different states and um what i like to do is go in and do model teaching and they're they'll usually look at the technology because they're like oh i want to see how he's using the tech but they always come away differently. They always come away saying it wasn't the tech and how you use it, but it was the questions you asked the kids. So for example, I did a lesson, this was last spring with some third graders and we were using Flipgrid, which, uh, or it's now Flip, I believe by Microsoft. So I gotta make sure I get that right. It's yeah. Flip. And the teachers were a little bit intimidated about it. And I said, and they said, well, are you gonna explain it? And I was like, watch, just come in. So they all came in and watched. And I'm sitting here with the third graders I'm like, guys, this is Flipgrid. How many of you have seen it? You know, they raise their hands. All right, a few of you have seen it. How do I like, how do I record on this? What, what do I, you know, I just started asking, like, I had no idea what I was doing. And the kids were like, they're raising, oh, go, you, you click on that little button. I was like, oh, cool. I wonder what, what else, what are these other, you know, oh, that button, you put a background on, I put a background. I was like, okay, well, let's try that. Let's see what this is, you know? And then I was like, but I really need us to talk about how do we get this, you know? And then just asking them those kind of lean in questions. And this is third grade, but I did it with seventh graders too the next sure. day. And it's, it's you know, not just saying, all right, class, what I want you to do is go to flipgrid.com and enter in this password and type in this thing. No, instead I asked them and I said, you guys just, you lean in and you create it with me. They love that. And so I always tell the teachers, like, that's an example. They were afraid to share it or afraid to do it because they weren't comfortable with it themselves. And I said, you know what? You don't have to be hundred percent comfortable with it. It can mess up, but you need to make sure that you mention that with kids. And so the other thing I tell them is your words matter. I mean, we hear that a lot, but it really does, especially when it comes to trying something new in the classroom. If you say, ah, this stupid technology doesn't work. I'm never going to use this again. The kids hear that Mm -hmm. and they pick up on that mindset and then they start to kind of feel that same experience versus the guys, we've never tried this before. Uh, It's not working right now. What do you think we should do? What are some other ideas we have? And kids will come up with stuff. They want to be a part of the learning environment. And I think if you look at any of John Hattie's research, he talks about how student ownership with learning is one of the biggest indicators of actual learning growth versus like, oh, I'm going to hand out a bunch of worksheets, you know, which is very, very little indicator of actual learning growth. But that ownership is so huge. So for me, it's modeling that language and doing that regular, doing that on a regular basis. And I've, I've done it my whole life without knowing I was really doing it, to be honest. Because, you know, a lot of times it's A plus B equals C. Like you have to do these things to get the same result as an entire class instead of potentially having it open-ended and maybe learning with the students. So that's a, that's a great example. Um, I'm just wondering too, like, you know, as an instructional leader, as you were, you know, were there any other tactics that you really pushed for innovation? I know a lot of times technology is kind of the one area, but when you look at like the future ready skills, there's so many other things that students can really be building upon that is, is well beyond technology. Yeah, I would say the other one that I picked up late in my career that I wish I would have done earlier was the power of reflection, which can or can't be tech based. I mean, it could easily be a handwritten journal. I never made the time for that early on in my teaching career. And I didn't realize what a deficit that meant for those kids learning and internalizing their learning. It's a huge part of the cycle. And I think because we're under such a time famine in education, we often 
leave that part aside. We're really good at teaching new skills. We've got that down. Yeah. Um, we're okay at doing authentic application. We're okay, not always about mentoring and, and peer mentoring, but when it comes to reflection, that's the last thing. And we usually leave that off because we're out of time. So again, I always tell teachers, I give one minute. I mean, it doesn't even have to be, they don't even have to write it down or they don't have to go to a flip grid and record it. It could just be one minute in their head. What was something you picked up or learned today before you walk out of my classroom or even on Fridays? Hey, Give me five minutes on Friday. I want you to go open up a Google Doc, open up a, a digital portfolio, open up whatever. And I want you to just write down a couple of items of what you learned and how you grew and what you, you know, what will you try to do better next week? And that process is such a huge part to impart on a kid early on in life. Because again, it's something I didn't pick up until later in life. It's a part of my everyday now with my own kids. But I think that's another thing that I would always pick up on. And again, technology can play play a role in it, like you're saying, Josh. Yeah. It doesn't have to be tech-based, but some kids like to handwrite, some kids like to draw. Um, some kids, you know, maybe it's a Google Doc, who knows what, but just having that time to reflect is so important. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. Well, I want to pivot a little bit because you talked about you said modeling. The word. That was the word. <laughs> <laughs> I said that word every day during 2020. And I was like, I will never say this word again. Do we need Sorry, to do a swear jar? Do I need to start putting yeah, some the money quarter, in? <laughs> I got my dime, I've got a dime sitting right here. It's going into the Perfect. pivot jar. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talked about modeling innovation and you are one that has constantly done that. And you have built your own social media platform for K through 12 leaders. And I would love to learn a little bit about that. And, you know, anyone that's listening knows in previous episodes, I absolutely love providing resources to my listeners. So I'm super excited to hear this new application and, and what all is involved with this new platform. Yeah. So the why, before I get to the what, I met with a group of educators, most of them in the Northeast. And we were talking, this is back in March of 21, about how the teacher burnout was already starting to happen. And this kind of the next pandemic I kind of predict will be as this continues to get worse and worse, depends on where you're at. I know there's countering articles on it right now, but I thought, well, what, what, we need a space where we can just, we need a space, a safe space where we can gather, yeah. you know, Facebook groups are, have some limitations, Twitter, I love, but it's endless streams. Yeah. LinkedIn is more business oriented. And so just through this, we kind of said, why don't we just make our own space? And so K-12 Leaders, which was k12leaders.com, and it still is, but it also became its own app, um, was built for this purpose, was like, how do we keep educators having conversations? So it's a platform built by educators for educators. There's no like AI or fancy data stealing stuff. It's just, yep. honestly, it's four or five of us running this thing on the back end, and we just keep adding components to it. And the idea would be, my biggest challenge when I go to conferences, like you and I were at that conference, HSTI, we connected there. Um, and maybe we can connect on Twitter, maybe we connect on Facebook or something. But um, when I leave, a lot of times I'll have that conference app and I connect on the app. And then two weeks later, I'm like, why do I still have this thing on my phone? I delete it. Right. So I wanted to create a space uh, where we could stay connected as educators. And it doesn't matter what conference we go to, we're always in that space. So um, NiceGate is the first one we're going to try this on, which is up in New York, but they're going to build out a, basically a community within our within our larger group, where if you're a member and you're going to that conference, that's how you stay connected. You can put your resources in there, everything. So not just a conference app, but also a social platform. So that's how it was built. Some things that we got coming down the road, um, we started a group called EduGigging, which is the side hustle, the art of the side hustle, so to speak, keeping great educators in school. If, if money is a problem, we're going to try to find ways to get you extra income, whether it be guest posting on a blog, being a member of a webinar, whatever we can do to get some sort of income draws. And so we've started creating that community, just uh, spun up 
last month. And uh, I'm going to start a new one in October called Edu Games, which is a kind of a elimination style ed tech kind of challenges. If you complete the challenge every week, you're still in. If you don't complete the challenge, you are kicked out of the group. So there's <laughs> ultimate risk reward and we'll have some gift cards and stuff that we'll give away just to be a part of it. So I'm doing the beta of that in October and I hope to grow it. It'll be small, probably 10 or 12 people, but we'll grow it over time. And I hope to do a full scale launch January through March of next year. So just a few things, but all hosted on k12leaders.com, free for educators for life. We may get some sponsors to start giving us some money because at this point it's all out of pocket. So <laughs> we're educators. We're not, we're not quite great at making all the money yet. We haven't figured that part out, but we want to keep it, uh, we want to keep it free of spam. Cause I think LinkedIn kind of turned into that too. So for sure. um, we're, we're really careful and protective of that with our, with our educators. It's awesome. So that's also not only on a desktop, but you can also get that on a mobile app, correct? Yep. K12 awesome. leaders is now Android and uh, iOS. As of just a few months ago, we have 700 members. I will tell you that when you are in a social platform for the first time, it is not Twitter. It is not Facebook. Sometimes there'll be posts some days. Sometimes there won't because there's just a few of us in there. Yep. LinkedIn started with 491 members their first year. So the fact that we're at 700, not even a year in, I'm excited. I'm like, let's yeah. just keep beating LinkedIn. Yeah. This. Very cool. Well, I'm super excited for that platform. And um, again, that's k12leaders.com. And if you're looking to connect and we always talk about that. You need to make sure that you're constantly connecting with teachers, with leaders to grow in whatever position that you are in or looking to be in. So this is a great space for you. So make sure you check that out. And then Carl, I want to talk about all of the podcasts that you're a part of. Because <laughs> the, there's so the many. record setting. <laughs> I'm trying, Josh. I'm trying to set the record. I want to have the most hosts of most podcasts. No, not really. Um, yeah, it's so like you, I mean, you, you, I, I love talking to people. I mean, and I love the idea that this in fact, if you go back to 2012, 13, there's an old podcast I used to create called the iVengers podcast, which was the, we had a, we were an iOS campus. So we called ourselves the iVengers instead of the Avengers. Avengers right. And we all had our own weird names and it was just like funny little stories we tell each other, but that was, you know, building it, creating it, recording it, editing it, posting it. I was like born, burnt out after one season of doing that. So sure. I've had different people approach me. ISTE was first. They approached me with Learning Unleashed, which is a podcast just based on ISTE authors for the most part and some featured voices within ISTE's community. Future Ready approached me next and my cohort, my uh, partner in Rhyme, I call him Adam File, and I do a co-hosted podcast called Undisrupted, which is almost a direct ripoff of the Undisputed podcast by <laughs> on ESPN, but not really because it's focused on education and technology. We just did our fantasy EdTech fantasy draft episode nice. that dropped today, actually where we did a draft of what hardware, software, people, who would we draft to make our teams? So that one just came out. And then the the latest one is called Forward to Different, which is my response to people saying back to, let's go back to normal. I say, no, we're never going back to normal. We're always going forward to different. Yeah. And it's mainly centered around, again, what I talked about earlier with the teacher shortage. So looking at outside the box ideas of how to retain, recruit, keep teachers, great teachers in school teaching, and um, whether it be a four-day work week, whether it be flexible scheduling, online, whatever. So we're getting experts from all different fields on that podcast and just talking about what do we what do we need to do to go forward? Because because I don't, I think we're at the tip of the iceberg with some of the shortage. I hope it starts to quell, but my worry is it's going to continue to get worse. All right. You got me interested. So what are your thoughts as far as the future of education? What do you think are some things that are going to occur maybe sooner than later? 
Well, I think we can look back not too long ago, just about a year or so ago when we were remote learning. And I've already seen some heavy trends in that direction, not necessarily with elementary, but with definitely six through 12 of having remote learning options. The homeschool market increased by 762% uh, the summer of 2020. It did come down after that when kids started going back to school, because I think some parents were eager like us. Uh, we tried it for <laughs> 587 days, the longest spring break on the history of mankind yep. um, with my own kids. And we sent them back and um, because they need the social, the social time too, especially at elementary, mm -hmm. I believe in that. But some kids like my daughter, my oldest daughter, she excelled at the remote learning option. I mean, she would get all of her work done in two hours uh, at middle school and be like, okay, what, what now? You know, and then she started doing some other, she wants to learn Italian. So she went out and tried to, she found her own you know, Duolingo app and was teaching herself Italian. And so I think remote teaching is going to continue to grow. In fact, there's companies out there one of which I do some um, advising with called Rex Academy. They have a computer science focused uh, curriculum, but student paced. But now this is for schools that don't have maybe a teacher that has computer science background. They could just plug this in and have a facilitator on site. But what we've started seeing is that there's even a shortage of those teachers. So they've started offering remote teachers. Um, so, and they're not the only company. There's lots of others out there now. They're starting to say, hey, you buy the curriculum, we'll give you a teacher. So for the teacher, it's great because now you have a flexible schedule. You can teach from your house if you're a good online teacher. You're getting paid more than you would in traditional public school setting. And for the student, they're getting a highly engaging online teacher that can work with them through projects, sure. mostly project-based um, to really keep them abreast of things. So I think that's going to be a win-win. I think that's just going to continue to expand, which means we have these beautiful buildings that we built. What do we do with them, right? And that's kind of the next thing I'm, I'm kind of troubleshooting in my mind because it's like blockbusters of yesterday. You know, they're not going to turn into those bouncy house uh, trampoline houses that we send our kids to now. That's what happened to every blockbuster, I feel like, across America. So what's going to happen with, with the monolithic giant high school that only has, you know, a thousand kids instead of 3,000 in it? Yeah. So again, questions to ponder and consider. I think you're right. I, uh, my kids were the same. My my two oldest, they excelled. They were doing some really creative things that they probably wouldn't have in a normal school period or day, right? Because of just the way that the, the schedule is locked. But I know our district is in our hometown is really looking at online school and for for the high school and what that look, may look like in the future. So pretty exciting to see, you know, potentials of what the educational system may look like. Make sure you check out all of those different podcasts and we're going to have all of those linked in the show notes. So make sure that you're checking out all of them. And then I know you're probably got a fourth, a fifth, a sixth podcast coming out <laughs> soon. Soon. Um, Stay so, tuned. So we'll make sure we <laughs> check that out. But Carl, I know you do a lot of consulting. You, you've talked a little bit about that today. You know, for a district that's potentially looking for some services, what are some things that you'd like to help um, educators with? Uh, my bread and butter, I would say, is blended learning. And blended learning, it can be all sorts of different things. But I think since the pandemic, what I've discovered is that a lot of teachers associated technology with that remote aspect of it. And so when they came back into the classroom, they just kind of put it in the closet and said, we're not going to touch that again. But I'm like, whoa, 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 let's get those back out because we can use those to really differentiate learning for our students, give them different path and learning journeys within a classroom setting that's maybe a synchronous setting, but giving them asynchronous things to learn on the technology as well. So for me, that's my bread and butter. I'll go into districts. A couple of the districts I'm working with right now, we do like a, a needs assessment of what their blended learning looks like. So I have a whole form that they fill out. And then I go in, usually the first two or three times I go by, I talk to the school leaders about some ideas. Then I talk to the actual teachers. We work with Vanguard teachers, those kind of high flyers and talk about things that they're doing in their classroom. And then how do we take that and continue to grow that fire? Because it's one thing to get those trailblazers because they'll, you throw something at them and they'll do it like, Hey, we're going to try it. Yep. But how do you get the, you know, the teacher that's been there. That's like not really maybe excited about it 
on board with it. And so for them, I go in and I do some model teaching, like I mentioned, um, that tends to really get the, be the tipping point when they start seeing it, like, okay, this isn't, he's not working any sort of crazy magic. This is just like asking questions the right way. And like, exactly, you've got this in your wheelhouse. It's nothing, take it to focus away from the technology and focus more on the learning outcomes. So that's kind of that process. That's my, my bread and butter is that on the consulting side, the keynote speaking, I, I love, um, you, you saw me at the crowd there at HSTI. I just, you know, give me an hour with a crowd of people. It could be two people. It could be 2000. It doesn't matter. I just have fun. Um, I want to be an attendee in my own sessions in terms of when I'm creating these things. Like, I don't want to just sit to a guy, talk to me for 60 minutes. I want to be interactive. I want to get up. I want to engage. And so I do that with every crowd that I work with. You're, you're never going to be sitting very long in my sessions. And there's a lot of brain science behind why. So, um, I mentioned that in the keynote, so it's, that's a part of it. So I think for me, those two things, the keynote speaking and the consulting are great. And then, yeah, that's just, that gets into all this other stuff, like webinars, which I think we're now, I don't know, are we done with webinars? What do you think? Are we like burnt out on them? I'm still doing some, but what do you, what are your feelings on the webinar experience? Cause I think it was so big right when the pandemic hit. Yeah. I think it's trickling down. I think people are just longing for in-person events right now. And, and that's yeah. definitely where the pendulum has shifted. But I, I do think there is, you know, several components of like, as far as flexible schedule and, you know, there's no travel involved and you can potentially view it whenever you want. So, I mean, there's definitely some benefits, but I don't think that's going to shift back for maybe a little while. It just as people, because I think you're right. I think everyone was burnt out on zoom and, and all these yeah. online conferences and things. So, um, I think the live streams and, and whatnot, the attendance is going to go down a little bit, but then I think it'll come back. Yeah. I saw ISTE, you know, ISTE did ISTE live, which was, they had the online component, but then FETC, which I was just, this will be the first one I get to go to. I think I just got accepted to it. Me too. Uh, awesome. In new Orleans. So, yeah. um, I saw on their site today or yesterday that it was like, uh, we're not doing an online component anymore. I was like, okay, so maybe, and, and that takes a lot for, if you're mm-hmm. a conference, I put on several conferences in my day. So it's a lot to manage to have the online components. So yeah. I don't blame them. The in-person experience is great. And um, I'm excited about going back to New Orleans because last we went there for ISTE and I did a poetry slam. I hosted a poetry slam at a theater there that was just, oh, it's a great theater there. And I just, I love poetry slams. It's another thing in my wheelhouse that I'm trying to do more of, uh, which has nothing to do with technology really. But uh, it's just a love of poetry and yeah. getting educators uncomfortable, I think, uh, is the best way to say it. Put them on the mic with uh, three minutes and no slides and say, good, it's just you and your words. Let us, let's see if you can get the crowd to react to them. It'll, it scares the pants out of some of the probably big name <laughs> presenters that you and I know that I won't mention, but they're like, no way I'll ever do that, Carl. I'm like, all right. Gotta well, try it's, it. It's being vulnerable, right? I mean, yeah, uh, puts people out of their comfort zone. So that's awesome. And and Carl, that shows just how diverse you are. Like I said, when I talked to you, I mean, we we talked for a little while, and I mean, you had your hands in so many different things. I was like, man, this guy just loves trying new things and and finding solutions to different problems. And and that's what drew me in to have you as a guest because I, I just love how much you are trying to work with with educators and and trying to create that growth mindset. So I want to end our conversation today with just an actual item. So for those who are listening, maybe it's an aspiring leader, maybe it's a current leader. If there's something they can do tomorrow, next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? Take a risk. Try something that you have not done before and make it a thoughtful risk. I always say, I I always say take a risk, but it's like, you got to be careful because some people are like, yeah, I'm going to go jump off of this bridge. No, no, not that kind of risk. (laughs) Take a thoughtful risk. Think about something that you're not sure of, that you're not comfortable with and just do it. Try it. Uh, Perfection is the enemy of done. Just get it out there. Don't don't be someone that hesitates. And then what I like to do a lot of times is blackmail myself. And what that means is I say, like, I'll put a date out there and say, hey, by this date, if I haven't done X, whatever it is, um, then I know then I'm holding myself accountable. So that's a big part of it, too. So uh, I'll send myself sometimes emails in the future uh, and say, hey, 
in three months, send this email and let's make sure I've converted all of my stuff from, let's say, Excel to Google Sheets or something simple like that at first. Or maybe I'm going to try this new platform that I keep hearing about, like TikTok. Uh, that's my new one, by the way. So <laughs> uh, I got to get into it because my daughter wants to get into it. So I'm like, I also need to take a risk. So yep. my thing, again, for leaders out there, for teachers out there, try something different, try something new. That discomfort you feel in your stomach and in your brain is actual learning. It's developing new pathways. It's like when you stand up on skis for the first time and you're going down a mountain, You it's that's a dangerous thought, but it's uh, it's also exhilarating. So again, take that risk, try something different. Um, and then most importantly, when you're done with it, reflect. What did you do right? What did you wrong? How could you do it better? Those are the big things uh, when it comes to that risk-taking and failure journey. Are you excited that in-person conferences are back? I know I am. In fact, I'm excited to announce that I'll be at the 2022 Teach Better Conference this October 14th and 15th in Akron, Ohio. I'll be recording episodes live in Podcast Row, attending sessions, speaking, and connecting with a whole bunch of amazing educators. It would be awesome if you could join us. Head over to teachbetterconference.com slash register and use the code ASPIRE2022 to save $50 off your two-day registration. I hope to see you in October. So, Carl, if someone is listening, they want to bring you in for a keynote or they want to connect for consulting, you know, how can they do that? Or maybe they just want to add you to their PLN. You know, what are some ways they can connect with you? Uh, carlhooker.com is my main website. That's where all my stuff is kind of connected to. You'll see my podcast link to that, my blog. Uh, hookedoninnovation.com is also connected to that. Um, and then there's speaking forms and stuff in there. There's buttons in there. You can figure all that out. Um, Twitter, at Mr. Hooker. K-12 leaders, I am at Carl because guess what? I got to be one of the first ones. So <laughs> I'm just at Carl on K-12 leaders, which is fun. If you get in there early, you get your own name. Yeah. Um, let me think. Uh, Instagram, Hooker Tech. I'm on TikTok as Hooker Tech, which don't, right now it's just embarrassing videos. So you can go look at them if you want. But no, my big my big connectors, I would say, would be Twitter and the website. So, um, and I try to respond to those. In, and Carl at HookerTech.com is my email. Again, I'm pretty open. Um, if you guys, if my DMs are open, I, that always sounds really odd coming from someone <laughs> with the last name like Hooker. So if you want to, if you want to check, uh, send me a message, happy to connect and collaborate with you there. And um, even if it's jumping in on a virtual call, doing a book study, I'm doing all sorts of stuff uh, this year all over the map. So find me there. And uh, thank you so much for having me on today. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was going to say like anyone that's listening, he, Carl is a huge resource. Make sure that you're reaching out to him. Again, his book, Ready, Set, Fail, make sure you pick that up. We'll have that also linked in the show notes. Great resource for any leader trying to enhance creativity and innovation in their schools or in their classrooms. And, um, of course, the social media platform, k12leaders.com. And then, Carl, you have a bunch of different podcasts. Um, make sure, depending on what you're looking for as far as topics, to connect on those. Carl, you are fantastic, not only as a speaker, but as a leader. And I'm so fortunate to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on Aspire to Lead. Thank you. Can I do one more quick plug? Please. If you're if you're in Austin, I didn't mention this on the podcast today, but I do own a bar now. That's another <laughs> risk. That's another risk I there took. There you go. If you find yourself fancying a drink on occasion, come to my bar, Idle Hands here in Austin. We also have Idle Hands in Houston now, which just launched uh, in January. So another awesome. risk. Uh, pre-pandemic risk that worked it's been working out so far but uh, educators drinking sometimes that goes hand in hand I don't know maybe we called it choir <laughs> practice so you know some... <laughs> curriculum meetings we called it that's funny <laughs> you need well, that thank you man awesome. yeah um, <laughs> I'm not too far away so you know when I get down to Austin I'll, uh, I'll make sure I, I join you down there too for 
from some curricular planning. That's what we'll do. Choir practice. I love it. (laughs) 